love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Gadeski. And guess what for Alyssa? It is race week. You are racing Ironman Lake Placid this weekend. How are you feeling? How's everything going? Are you psyched to get on another Ironman start line? Haley, I was laughing a little bit because I was like, oh man, Haley's like, so it must be so nice not to have to think about racing again right now this week. <laughs> we did, I am. Yeah, we did both we race did, Ironman Coeur d'Alene like four weeks ago, right? So we're like, yeah, and yeah. I will say I have raced four weeks after an Ironman before and it can go surprisingly well. And I think that might be how it's going to go for you. And so while I am probably not in Ironman reshaped at this time, like I, I am at that point where it's like, you've gone through the major fatigue and then you start feeling good again. And so I'm actually thinking like, this is Alyssa's weekend. I am very good vibes for you going into this race. Thanks, Haley. I do feel pretty good. I'm excited to only be driving three hours to the race. I'm excited to be like, yeah, not having to break down my bike and to just bring everything I feel like I want to bring in my car, which will be exciting. I am feeling pretty good. I do. It was funny, like Hillary and I, my coach Hillary Biscay and I had a conversation last week and we kind of laughed because, you know, I, I was going to finish Coeur d'Alene even though I was having not a great day, um, you know, and the hope is that when you finish a race, like even if it's not your best performance, you always still kind of get like a fitness boost from putting the effort in. Um, you know, I admit that I was a little worried that my, the effort at Coeur d'Alene was like, so just like below what I was hoping for also because of the heat making everything so much slower for the day. Right. Um, that I was kind of like, you know, one of the things in my head in those days after was like, Oh, like, am I even going to get the benefit of like the, the fitness boost you get from, from, finishing it out and running those 26.2 miles and doing it all. And, you know, we were talking, we were like, huh, like, even though it was pretty slow for me, like, I still feel like we saw the remnants of that fitness boost in that last, this last little push of training that we did for Lake Placid. So that was really exciting. Um, and I feel like I, I kind of closed up that and started the taper and I'm excited to race again. Like mentally I'm in a good place. I love Lake Placid. Um, Haley, the forecast is calling for 70 degrees and overcast, a chance of like maybe some rain, maybe some showers or some storms. There's always a chance of storms. Um, and I do want to say that when Lenny Ramsey was on the podcast, I think I told Lenzi Lenny that I was like, oh, there's no way that it'll be a wetsuit swim for pros. But I did text her on Instagram <laughs> this last weekend because I was like, Lenny, I'm eating my words because it is supposed to be pretty cool and rainy this week there, um, which is going to bring the lake temperature down, not a ton, but probably a little bit. And so I do think at least for pros, it's going to be like right on that line for wetsuit or swim skin. Um, but that's uh, all good too. And Haley, I don't know if you can see too well, but I did my hair for the podcast today because I was trying out one of the to-do lists. It looks very list nice. Today was um to fix my race day hair because I have not gotten my hair cut since COVID. And Haley, I usually just go to like the hair cuttery and get them to chop like an inch or two off and so the ends stay nice or whatever. And I looked up hair cuttery today and there's apparently no hair cutteries where I live now in New Hampshire. So I, I, they, there's like plenty of salons, you guys. I'm perfectly capable of doing some research and finding somewhere to cut my hair. Don't worry. But I was just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Instead, I'm going to find some hair videos on YouTube and find a new way to do my hair for racing because two long braids, like my hair is so long now that I don't know how Lucy Charles does it with her two long pigtail braids, not flapping around. Her hair must be like heavier or something than mine, or maybe it's just even longer than mine is. And so I just don't like the length that's at right now. If you do pigtail braids, it's like flapping and hitting you. And that's very distracting to me when I'm running. So I didn't like that option. And so Haley, I perfected today, or this is actually my first attempt at the, I stole this from Flora Duffy. I don't know if this, like, if I looked like her today when you signed on to, to record the podcast or you were like, oh, are we recording with, with Flora today? You look like the, the Bowerman track runners. I feel like the, 
or oh, calling they, calling quickly when she was doing she has her like fast braid Friday. You have like the braid crown kind of thing on on like the French braid like on your head, kind of like yeah. wrapping around. Yeah. So it like basically it, it's a side part, and then you just braid, and it like wraps behind your ear, and then you kind of just keep braiding to the back of your head, and then you're supposed to like just braid it out. I today, as I was learning, just like squished it all into like a low bun, um, kind of at that point, which I think will be good. Did you um, test it out on a run? I'm going to do it again tomorrow. So I have like a bike and a run tomorrow. So I'll do it. I'll practice doing it again so that because race morning, I'll have to do it like pretty quickly. Um, wow. So you're going to get I, up early and I like braids your I I can't really braid my own hair. I don't do anything. Well, I did this. This I did this in probably 15 minutes. Wow. So it's not like I can do it while I usually would do it while I like eat my breakfast or something if I was doing pigtails or something like that. Um, and I, so I feel anyway, so that's part of my, I will test it. I tested it with the helmet today just to make sure it would fit under my race helmet. And it does. Cause that was like a big consideration, but I'm pretty excited to debut my new race hair and Haley, I already did my race nails. Ooh, sparkles. I love them. Yes. So thanks to Matt's mom, Barb, she brought um, a bunch of nail stickers for me when she visited a, a couple weeks ago. And I, I'm like obsessed with the sparkle one. Um, and so I got that done today. I feel really good about that. I got um i'm starting to do yeah just like the little racings that's getting me really excited and um i'm i'm feeling good so i am excited you sound ready i'm psyched and okay what time does the race start is it gonna be i'm assuming it'll be on the tracker for sure are they doing iron man live for this race they are i don't know who's going to be announcing because dd's racing so um i'm not sure who will be on the facebook watch broadcast but it is going to be broadcasted um, so everyone can tune in to the Iron Man Facebook watch page or whatever to, to see that. And I believe that we are, I need to read a little bit more starting around. Like, I, th- I want to say like six fifteen, six fifteen ish in the morning. So a little bit more of a leisurely start than that 5.00 AM, um, start a little bit, but you're six fifteen Eastern times. So that's like three fifteen AM or no to wait four fifteen a.m. for me here on in the mountain time zone. So yes, a yes. little bit of an early morning for me. Um, I might catch you on the bike, but um, I might miss that swim. <laughs> no, I just, I might be up. You never know if I'm, if actually probably great. If I got up, watch some of that, get pumped for my own workout and then I'll head out when you're on the bike and it's just getting light here. Perfect. So maybe you, yeah, yeah, this is actually like sounding like you could like really motivate me for my day. Um, but I, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited. So Haley, I will be whenever, you know, they, they put the broadcast on me, I'll be sure to be waving and saying, hi, Haley. So yes. you can watch for that um, as, as much in. as you can. I'll text in where everyone needs to like write into the chat on Facebook. I do think that does make a difference. So we have to write in, we're like, where's Alyssa? Where's Alyssa? Show Alyssa. <laughs> you know, it does. Cause I think that was happening a little bit with Lionel Sanders in Coeur d'Alene and then they go find him. And um, so we just all need to write in on the Facebook chat. Like where's Alyssa? Ta- show us Alyssa, show us her nails, show us her hair. And, um, and, and also like her, you know, crushing, I mean, they'll probably be on you anyway. <laughs> they will probably be on you anyway, but just in case, just in case, you know, just in case they're we not. can write in, maybe yeah. it will be Rachel Joyce. I think she's done some of those broadcasts so maybe she'll be filling in for Didi, but Didi Griesbauer, yes. Who we've had on the podcast as a commentator of the sport. She was, you know, usually does the Ironman live Ironman watch Facebook coverage, but is racing. Is she, wait, she, that will be, that's fun. I think, um, you know, she always she's a good competitor. So that'll be fun to have her on the start line with you. And Haley, this is a bit of like placid fever, but we also, I saw your Instagram today. I think you when not racing Lake Placid have a bit of Olympic fever going on here. I do have a lot of Olympic fever. I sat down today cause I was like, okay, I need to look at what the actual schedule is and what I want to watch and then try to like convert to, uh, you know, what day and what time is it, is this happening? Because I, you know, Japan is, I think, 15 hours ahead. Tokyo is 15 hours ahead of mountain time here in Montana. So I'm like, okay, what's happening on, you know, on Sunday there is happening on Saturday here. So I just need to like be prepared. And again, like I want to make sure I get my training done in time so that I can watch some of these things. And the first up, first up thing that I do really want to watch is the women's triathlon. It's happening on Monday, July 26th. Like that's so soon, 3.30 p.m. mountain time. So 2.30 Pacific. 530 Eastern women's triathlon. We've had all three U.S. women who are racing, Taylor Nib, Katie Zafaris, and um, Summer Rappaport on the show. So a lot of 
Iron Women alums racing. And then, of course, there's a great international field as well. Are Do you think that you'll be recovered from Placid enough to to watch that race? Is that Are you going to be home yet in time by 5.30 p.m. on Monday? I hope so. I think so. My parents are actually coming to spectate. And so I'll be spending Monday morning um, and a little bit of the afternoon with them. But I'm assuming I'll be heading home around, you know, I still want to drive in, in like good daylight hours. So probably getting home just as it's starting. Um, and I'll be able to watch it then. I am I am super excited. I am really grateful that you did all the time zone conversions for me so that I could just screenshot and then keep track of that for myself. I know. So I hope they're right. I'm actually like, I have this like terrible fear now that I'm like, okay, did I write the right things? I like should have paid someone to edit and make sure I had everything on there. But um, I'm like, use at your own risk. And they are mountain time, everything I posted on my Instagram. But um, swimming is also starting like this weekend and all next week. And Alyssa, I did feel for you. I feel for everyone on the East coast because, um, and I mentioned this during our interview today, cause we do hype, we, we do hype the Olympics a little bit during our interview, but the finals, uh, will be at 7 30 PM for me and 9 30 PM for you starting at 9 30 PM. Do you think you're going to like, you'll be recovering from an Ironman, which will be kind of nice. Like maybe you can kind of skew your days a little later and sleep in a little bit so you can catch yeah. some of that action. That's going to be my plan because I do like to watch it in real time if I can. And it's not that late, like most, especially the swimming, you know, I can, I could stay up, I think 9.30 to 11.30 and then I just don't know if my body can sleep in late, but maybe I just have to catch an, you know, it's a good excuse to like force myself maybe to try a nap or something in that week after Ironman. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, my schedule is open enough that I'll be able to, to catch it, but it is. That's definitely a drawback with the East Coast time zones for yeah. these Olympics. The real challenge is the cycling events. Like the road race for the women, I think, starts at 10 p.m. Mountain. That's Saturday, like this Saturday. So I guess it's, oh, that you'd be on race. You'd be the night before your race. Oh, yeah. Don't stay up and watch that <laughs> at like midnight. But I guess that while you're braiding your hair, you might be able to like yeah. tune in and watch, <laughs> Catch the the tail end. Yeah. watch the finish of that women's road race. Um, and then, you know, the mountain bike race, I think it starts at midnight mountain time. So 2 a.m. your time on I guess that'd be like your Tuesday at 2 a.m. So if you're up, if you are, can't sleep. (laughs) But I mean, so there's, anyway, there's a lot of events happening. I'm so psyched. I mean, I, I've, we've, we've interviewed a lot of the people who are racing. We have, um, you know, Ashley Twitchell, who's in open water, which is happening the second week. Uh, Melindy Elmore, who's running the marathon, which is, uh, I think August 6th, so also the second week. So we'll talk more about those next week. But again, all those triathletes, the tri relay will be a new event, which is happening, you know, a, a week after this episode comes out. Um, there's just, I, I love it. I'm so excited. I'm just, I mean, I, it, I love the Olympics and I love the hype and I love it. I'm mean, being able to watch it live is such a privilege I feel like to just be able to like watch it happening in real time and I don't have to like avoid the internet and I can just like scream at my TV as as it's happening so very much looking forward to that another fun event happening this week Haley it ends tomorrow is the feisty triathlon giveaway with the partnership with inside tracker so a little bit less of like a to do than the Olympics, but still a really big thing. And you guys, if you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, you have until Friday, the 23rd at 11:59 Pacific time oh. to enter. Yeah. That's and so Haley, to being enter, a, be on Eastern time gives you a little bit of advantage there. You can, yeah, if true. you are up, if you wake up in a panic on Saturday morning at 2:59 AM, you still have a minute to be able to enter. I've been watching because Olympic ceremonies, I don't know oh, what yeah. the opening ceremonies are, but you could be like up really. Those are on the 23rd too, but, um, but they might be happening on the 22nd in the, I get that one. Oh. I don't know. I didn't do the time conversions <laughs> on that, but, um, but wait, okay. So what do they win? What do they win? If you, they only have one day from this, this episode is coming out Thursday, the 22nd. So they only have one day to enter. Um, what do they win? You can win. They're giving away one inside tracker, ultimate plan, one inside tracker, inner age, and two feisty team memberships for you and a friend. Okay, so, wait, just one person, one person wins all of this. One person wins all of that, yes. Oh, that's so you get the ultimate plan with the inner age and a membership for the feisty team for yourself and a friend. So that's a lot. Yeah, you're right. How do you that's enter? You should head to Feisty Triathlon's Instagram page. There's a link in their bio to enter. So that's step one. Step two is to tag some friends in the comments of the post or share the post to your story. That's it. Two easy steps. 
and you can win this great prize package with Inside Tracker. If you don't win, if you wake up on Saturday morning and you're like, oh, well, you might not know then. I don't know when they're announcing the winner. But if at some point you wake up and you realize you are not the winner, you can still head to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get the 25% off discount that is always available to our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. If you accidentally listen after after Friday, July 23rd, you can, you can always get a good discount. Always get that good information. I will say that uh, – Inside Tracker, doing some blood work is on my to-do list. Um, I have not signed up yet, but I, it is on my to-do list. I feel like I'm a good amount after Coeur d'Alene. I have a good amount of time before Kona. This seems like perfect timing for me to like get some you know, baseline blood data. So um, to show you, it's on my list. It has been on my list a little bit because I'm not very good at knocking things off my to-do list in all honesty, but I'm going to get to it, you know? And uh, um, I, I still don't know how I feel about that inner age one. <laughs> But I might. I, might I was a year and a half younger on my inner age, so I mean. Do you know what's happening? You know, what else is happening on Friday, July twenty third? Haley's birthday. Yes, I was like, oh I know gosh. that date. Opening ceremonies for the Olympics, the conclusion oh, of the feisty yay. triathlon, and my birthday when my outer age will change for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also a privilege. Um. So anyway, so many good things happening Friday, July twenty third, but. Um, and again, inside tracker.com forward slash iron women for 25% off at any time. If you, if you miss the contest and Haley, speaking of you going to Kona, we have a listener named Emily who wrote into our mailbag, who is going to be joining you in Kona this year. Congratulations to Emily to uh, qualifying for Kona. And Emily wrote in, she has a few questions for us for the mailbag. Um, if you're listening, you can always send us questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Emily's question is about Kona, and she lives in the Pacific Northwest, where it's generally cool, although we did not experience that in Coeur d'Alene, Emily, so not, I'm not 100% I believe you on that, but generally cool in the Pacific Northwest, so she wants some good tactics to prepare for the elements of Kona, so heat, wind, sand, ocean, lava rocks... Turtles. What did she do? Turtles. What are the other elements? Oh, <laughs> turtles. Oh, oh those elements. I, just, those I didn't realize we were um, listing elements. Lava. I was like, lava well, yeah, fields. I was like, turtles. Um, I probably didn't go along with the, I failed the, I the whatever, word really association. Wind, fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Emily, great question. And I feel like if you have listened to the episodes since Coeur d'Alene, because it was so hot that day, we actually talked um, to a lot of our guests that we've had on. Lenny Ramsey, Haley gave us a good download on what she did to manage the heat and things like that. So I do feel like within some of our recent episodes, we've talked a lot about the heat. Um, And, you know, this is actually bringing me to like another question. Like, so, I mean, she phrased the question as elements of Kona, right? And I, I think like wind and ocean swim. So I don't know, Haley, what do you think? Are there specifically ways you can, you can prepare for those elements of Kona? I... In Montana, I'm able to ride in the wind very frequently. Lucky me. So I always tell myself, like, you know, this is prepping you for – it preps you for hills. It preps you for for windy conditions because that's – wind is really similar to a hill. So I'd say, like, if you don't have access to a windy route or, the, you know, where you live, it isn't very windy. Lucky you. Um, you – you probably can get to some hills. I know. Imagine around Pacific Northwest, you can get to hills. And that's – it's similar to that. You're just – you go a little bit slower, but you are still going hard. And so I think that's what you have to think of it as like, you have to remind yourself like you are going hard. I don't know if you look at any metrics while you're, while you're writing, you know, uh, heart rate or power, but you have to acknowledge that you are going pretty hard, even if it feels slow and you are making forward progress. So it's kind of a mental tactic too, of just like knowing that you are making forward progress, knowing that the wind is hitting everyone. Um, I think that those are things, um, ocean swimming is, is a little bit different. And I, I, hopefully you get there in time before the race to kind of check it out, but you don't really know what it's going to be like until race day. It could be, I mean, that's a, that's one of the great things about the ocean is that it's so dynamic. And so if, and if it's glass the day before you might have big waves on race day, but if it's big waves the day before it might be glass on race day. So you don't really know, but, um, you know, if you can get kind of familiar in the days before it is a spectacularly beautiful swim course. Uh, it's very clear water. You can like see fish and coral and, 
it is just a really, really special race. Cause it sounds like this is Emily's first time there. And I would just like take a moment when you're out there. Um, you do have a little bit of treading water before the start. So I think like prepare yourself for that, that like, it isn't necessarily like Coeur where you're standing on the, on the beach and then you just run in, like you're going to be out in the bay, like treading water before. So kind of, you know, mentally prepare for, for some of that before, but, um, but take a moment to like, look around and look back at, you know, all, all the spectators on the seawall and look at your competitors and just like really appreciate that you get to be out there on this, like Saturday in October, treading water in the, you know, in a bay off the Pacific ocean and, be a part of such a cool event. And I think appreciate it. And, and again, I think with the ocean, like with it being so dynamic, I know that, you know, it's it, just go with the conditions. Like it can definitely, whatever happens again, it's happening to everyone. And, um, it might, if it's, if it's a slower swim, that's okay. Cause it might mean that everyone's swim is a little bit slower, but you just kind of take the day that you're given. Speaking of swimming in Kona, Haley, this brings us right to the next part of her question. So she has, you know, taken a look at historical results and has come to the conclusion that she has no chance at top five in her age group. Come on, Emily, you got to root for yourself sometimes. So (laughs) no, I hear you. I know. I know. Okay. So, but she's looking at, and she thinks she might have a chance to crack Lucy's amateur swim record if it is 52-20. And so she's curious if she would ruin the day, if she went like all out on the swim, mailed it in the rest of the day. If she was just like focused on going for that swim record, is that not what Kona is about? Um, and then also swimming like swim skin versus a wetsuit. Should she expect to be a lot slower in the water? So lots of good, good questions here. And Haley, as our Iron Man, our Iron Woman podcast swim expert, I'm going to hand that off to you as well. Yeah. Well, first I'm going to say that, um, I believe that, I mean, if there is like an amateur swim record, I think it was actually, uh, Jody Jackson from 1999. And that was the record that Lucy broke in 2018. Like she broke a, an amateur, like the ama- an amateur and age grouper had the overall swim course record. And I, I did look it up. I think it was 48, 43. So it was pretty fast. And I do think one of the reasons that it stood such a long time and why you see, I don't, I don't know what year Lucy swam at 52, like maybe 2015. Um, so Lucy didn't necessarily go from 52 in 2015 to 48 minutes in, 2018 because she got so much faster. Um, that doesn't usually happen in swimming. I believe what happened was they remeasured the course. They had not remeasured the course in a very long time. And they found that the buoys had, because they leave the buoys out year round. And, um, some of the like main marker buoys, they leave them out year round, um, which is cool. So if you're ever visiting Kona, you can go swim the course. Um, but they had drifted. And so the course was long for many years. And so that was one reason why it got so much faster, which I think also kind of brings me to my discussion of like some course records and how they can vary so much, both with conditions, you know, the ocean again, very dynamic. It could be wavy versus glassy and you're going to have very different swim times, but also just if a buoy is placed in a different position, you're going to have very different swim times. And I am someone who will celebrate the heck out of a swim course record. (laughs) You know, it's just like, you have to celebrate the wins when you have it. But I think you also have to take all those records with kind of a grain of salt because they are a little bit arbitrary and it is very hard to, um, to measure a swim course. And even at the world championship, it's not like they measured it every single year. So I don't know if they are now, but, um, but that's okay. That's just my discussion on, on the actual record. And then getting to the second part about her, uh, you know, going all out on the swim. I, I, I don't think it'd ruin your day. Like, go ahead, go do it. I, I mean, it's short enough. Like if you just want to go for it on the swim, like it's super fun. I definitely have done that probably before as an age grouper. What I would say is that right now, when you're a few months out, like do not just swim, don't train, just train for the swim, like still train for the bike and the run, because I think you really want that experience in Kona and you want to have a good overall experience in Kona. So if on race day, you want to go a little harder on the swim, go for that, but definitely keep your training up for the bike and the run so that you still finish having a good experience. Because I think that that's, that's an important thing in Kona is just to really experience it because it is a special race. It's a special a location in the history of our sport and you get to be part of it. And I think you want to give yourself the best chance. And I am agree with Alyssa, like don't count yourself out. It's a hard race. And Coeur d'Alene was a very hard and hot race and a lot can happen in Kona. Anything can happen. And did we talk about wetsuit versus swim skin? Not yet. Right. So no, but what are your thoughts on that? So I think 
a wet, I think it depends a lot on the type of swimmer that you are as to like how much faster a wetsuit might make you than swimming with a swim skin or, or, you know, without anything or something like that. But, um, I find that for myself, since I'm not like a natural swimmer, um, it helps. I am significantly faster with a wetsuit. Like I've heard like 10% be thrown out as a number. I think that might be for someone who's like really, you know, struggles with swimming and then they put that wetsuit on and it's like a ton of flotation and that really helps them. Um, so I don't think I quite get like a 10% boost, but I for sure see, I would say 90 to seconds to two minutes. I would, you know, is usually like my estimate for myself when I'm like thinking about wetsuit to swim, squint, swim skin swims that said like for me what would matter a lot more would be ocean swim versus lake swim right like for whatever reason i just i blame it on like my lack of rhythm that i can't swim well in an ocean swim because just the timing of the waves and that like those swells that come through for whatever reason i have not been able to ever find a way to swim well in that but even in a choppy lake i can swim okay so that to me you know honestly probably affects my swim times more than wetsuit versus swim skin. But, um, I do think like just the buoyancy of the wetsuit generally will help people get, you know, at least a minute, maybe two, maybe more. Yeah, I agree. Wetsuit's always going to be faster. Um, that's why, you know, when we watched the Olympics, all the neoprene is banned because it, if even just a little bit of neoprene will make you faster, but I agree with you. Ocean swimming is a little bit different. Again, you don't know necessarily what you're going to get, but I always encourage people to focus kind of on like strength swimming. So like swimming with paddles, um, swimming with a band occasionally, like don't overdo it. Like again, cause that is, you're putting more pressure on your shoulders, but I think, um, you know, throwing in some butterfly every now and then, I don't know if you like butterfly. It sounds like you're a strong swimmer. So I think that, uh, throwing in some butterfly, like just practicing for like kind of the demands of the ocean, which it does take a little bit more out of you. I mean, you have the buoyancy cause it's salt water a little bit there, but I don't think that totally makes up for the waves and just, uh, you know, the different challenges of swimming in salt water, which again, like even as, yeah, put some, uh, some chamois cream or some Vaseline around your neck when you're swimming in salt water, there's another tip. Yeah. <laughs> um, Emily, but most of all, I think, uh, congratulations and good luck. Uh, this is an exciting time to be getting ready for your, first time racing in Kona. And so we, we definitely are congratulating you and to any other listeners, if you have questions, feel free to send them into the mailbag, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Alyssa, we, I kind of teased this. So we have a great interview this week and cause t- just tie in a little bit to the Olympics, um, Olympic, Olympic hype. So UGA swimming alumni, uh, a fellow UGA university of Georgia swimming alumni, Emily Cameron. So, um, she was at UGA, I think a decade after me. So she was there from 2013 to 2017. So we did not know each other, but I did definitely know of her because she was, a very highly decorated athlete there. She was a breaststroke and IM specialist. She was an All-American, a member of two NCAA Division I championship women's swim teams. And after graduation, she quickly pivoted to triathlon. She had a ton of early success and ultimately kind of decided to take a step away from the sport. So she might not right now be actively racing competitive triathlons, but she's been very busy putting her fitness and endurance to work. She most recently finished the great divide mountain bike route, which is a 2,700 mile self-supported off-road bike packing trek. It follows the U S continental divide from the U S Canadian border to the U S Mexico border. And so we talked to Emily about this trip, um, her history in sport. And since she is someone who has so much experience in sport at high, high levels, we asked her to help us hype the upcoming Olympics and tell us what events she's excited to watch and who she's excited to watch in Tokyo. We'll have our conversation with Emily right after the break. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. 
Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer, and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the Big Island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LIVEFEISTY, capital L and capital F. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So you just finished bikepacking the Great Divide mountain bike route, which is a 2,700-mile off-road route that roughly follows the continental divide from Alberta, Canada to the U.S.-Mexico border. And I think we need to start with some numbers just to help put this ride into context. 2,700 miles down the length of the U.S., how long did it take you? How long were you riding each day? How long were you sleeping at all, if at all? So uh, it actually this year only went from border to border um, because okay. Canada was closed when the Grand Depart started. So I believe the total distance was 2485. Uh, but don't quote me on that. It's somewhere in that realm. Um, and it took 33 days. And I had one rest day in there at day 14. Um, and I think if you tally it out, like the average miles was like 75 miles a day. Uh, and I think I got about, I don't know, seven to eight hours of sleep, um, at night. So it wasn't, you know, totally insane, uh, of a sleep deprivation journey. It was more just adjusting to camping slash, you know, being in different places every single night. So that was kind of the biggest difficulty. And so you mentioned the grand apart, and I believe like my understanding is that often for some of the, like, I think it's a bikepacking thing almost maybe, right? Is that like, it's like, um, the, I guess it's not an official race, right? That you're signing up for or anything, but it's like a known date and everyone kind of is using that timeline as like their push off time for that route, which in this case would be the great divide mountain bike route. But I know, so is that like kind of the same thing? Like, did you have that date in mind with like, is that a known date? Like every, every summer, that's the date when people push off. How does that work? Yeah. So the grand apart is every year, I believe on June 10th. Uh, and it is the start of the tour divide, which is the race on the great divide. Um, I did not do the race, um, because I kind of wanted to experience it in a different manner. Um, but there was plenty of people, if not everybody else there, um, was doing it as the race. So, they were on track leaders and, you know, you could, you could see their little dots moving. I was not on track leaders, but I figured it would be a really great way to start meeting people along the way, even if I wasn't necessarily going to ride with them. Um, so I think there was about a hundred, probably a hundred people there at the start on June 10th. Wow. And Emily, your background is in swimming and then triathlon. So when did bikepacking enter the picture? Um, honestly, I took a three day trip a month or two months ago now, uh, as my like prep trip for this. Um, but before that I had never really done any bike packing before. Uh, but I had always wanted to one, see the side of the country, uh, in a different way than just say like driving through it. Um, and I have kind of always wanted to do some sort of backpacking trip, but the length of time it takes to do that sort of trip is a lot longer than when you're on a bike. So it was kind of like, this is like the perfect combination. It's like a little bit shorter than walking it and it's more uh, in depth than driving through it. So kind of the happy medium. And I feel like I have a lot of athletes right now who maybe just got kind of gravel bikes or mountain bikes or are like looking to get gravel bikes or mountain bikes. Um, with bike packing, what, like, you know, it sounds like you're relatively new to it. So have you like gear wise, you know, not like a full in depth gear podcast here, but like for people who are maybe looking to potentially, you know, test the waters with bike packing should like, did you do it on a gravel bike or a mountain bike? And, you know, do you have any kind of, uh, favorite, like I would not bike pack without this thing kind of thing. Um, if they wanted to start poking around and in, into that realm. 
Um, so I'm notorious for not being a total gear junkie when it comes to these type of things. I kind of just uh, look up on Google and see like what the general consensus is and then I roll with it. Um, so I had a mountain bike and I didn't buy a new one because I was like, why, why spend the money when I have what I think to be a great bike? And it's been a trusty steed. It's gotten me through triathlons too. So, um, but it was a full suspension mountain bike, which is not what, what typically people do it on. They normally do it on a gravel bike or a hardtail mountain bike. Um, but I think it worked wonderfully for me. Um, and honestly, in terms of the thing that I wouldn't travel without, I carried a jet boil on the back of my seat pack. Uh, and a lot of people who are racing don't carry cooking stoves with them because it's too much weight or it's just not necessary because they're just basically like barely sleeping and stopping at gas stations to get like pizzas. But I was like, I want my oatmeal in the morning. I want a good, like solid, even if it's dehydrated meal at night. Um, that's kind of thing that I was like, you know, thinking about. So that was probably the biggest thing that I'm like, I would not ever skip out on bringing a jet boil <laughs> and a jet boil weighs like for people who maybe haven't held one a jet boil weighs like literally nothing in your hand the pan i'm guessing you know like it can add up a little bit in terms of weight but everything for like jet boil accessories i feel like are very light so if that is like on your priority list to like have access to almost instant warm water then jet boil yeah that's that's a good pick i'd say yeah i was very happy to have it with me the whole time <laughs> Emily, it seems like riding the full length of the U.S. would give you kind of a unique perspective on the country. Was the experience of, you know, both the terrain and some of the communities that you rode through, was that what you expected? Uh, yes and no. Um, Montana was certainly, I think, the most beautiful state that I rode through um, in more ways than one. But I kind of thought when I got to New Mexico that it was going to be kind of flat. Uh, and so I think that was the biggest surprise to me was that probably the only quote unquote flat day was the very last day of the trip. And it had like 400 feet of climbing over 45 miles, which is absolutely nothing. But there was no other day like that on the trip and definitely not in New Mexico. So New Mexico was just surprised me a lot because of the elevation gain. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's supposed to be flat in the desert. <laughs> but no. <laughs> What about the people where I, you, I mean, was the people that you're riding with the people that you meet along the way, was that kind of interesting that you got to see that just meet people because you're traveling at a slightly slower pace than if you were in a car? Yeah. So that's really the whole reason that I did the trip. Um, of course, like, like I said, seeing the country was, um, the, the main draw towards it, but I think my, kind of goal in the journey was to interact with people that I probably would never meet otherwise um, and who really have no association with bikepacking. So a lot of the locals that I met along the way uh, in these really, really small towns, they just had these stories that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, the look of shock on your on their faces when you tell them what you're doing. Um, it's like, it seems like it would get old, but at the same time, hearing them, like their interactions with me are something that I'm just going to carry with me forever. So. And Emily, we have previously interviewed Lael Wilcox, who holds the women's record at the Tour Divide race that covers that same route, which we, we spoke of. And Lael's record time is 15 days and 10 hours. And she still has the overall record of 13 days, 22 hours on her radar. So um, would you ever go back like now that you have ridden the route and kind of gotten to experience it in the way that you wanted to, you know, are you like, well, that was pretty good recon for like a race attempt on it. Would you ever want to go back and do the race? No, um, I can very <laughs> confidently say, no, I would not do that. Um, I solely wanted to experience this for, I think I did it as fast as I possibly could. Um, and I wouldn't have wanted to do it any faster. Uh, and I think it would have taken away from, all the stories from the people um, had I rushed it and been like, I need to get to this place at this time. I need to make sure I get like, you know, at least six hours of sleep. Um, but the combination of the people that I was riding with and then the people that I was meeting, uh, I just don't think it would have been quite the same had I been trying to get to the finish line as fast as possible. Um, and I don't really have a desire to do it again. So whether it would be for a race or for, for pleasure, I just, it's like a once and done experience for me, at least in, in the great divide part. 
Emily, it seems like in addition to your athletic interests, you also have a passion for photography and for sharing these stories that you hear along the way. So during your ride, you posted photos and stories about the locals that you met to your Instagram account. Do you feel like social media and photography added to your experience and kind of helped you memorialize some of those special people that you met along the route? Or was it a distraction where you're like, oh, I have to post? Um, no, it wasn't a distraction, um, but I think it did kind of, I felt like I had to curve the conversations that I was having with these people um, to really get what I wanted out of it. And like, there were certain things that I wanted to hit, like how long they've lived in a place. And honestly, one piece of life advice that they've garnered from, you know, living in a town for 50, 60 years. Um, so it was like being patient enough that I got to hear the entire story, but also still hitting the main points. Um, so it, in a way, it was a little bit like a job, but like it was a job that I really loved doing. So it didn't take away and it didn't distract. It was just something that added to the whole experience. What was the best piece of life advice that you, you got while you were out there? Um, sell your bike and buy a horse. <laughs> Are you going to do it? No. <laughs> it was a rancher in Wyoming and he looked at me and he's like, you have to be kidding me, right? And I was like, no, I just want one piece. And he's like, yeah, you need to sell your bike and get a horse. <laughs> I feel like if someone gives me that advice after an Ironman, I'd probably consider it a little bit. So I mean, yeah. it depends maybe how long you were into your trip. You'd be like, yeah, okay, it seems <laughs> good to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was a great um, one. And Emily, this wasn't actually your first long distance athletic adventure. So we think that you graduated from college in 2017, and right after that, you and your mom hiked the Camino del Santiago. So were there any similarities between bikepacking or between backpacking and um, the Camino de Santiago, which is in Spain, and that's like a, a long walk across northern Spain? I, you'll have to remind us if you know offhand how many miles or kilometers that one is, but it, it's quite long. Um, and with the bikepacking that you did on the, the divide route? So the Camino is, uh, it's, it's 500 miles, but you can also go to the very, what they call the end of the world. So it's 565 miles. Uh, and the similarities definitely with the people um, and just the willingness to kind of skip past the, the typical conversations that you get, um, you know, like this, the surface level conversations. Um, and you really kind of dive straight into like, why are we here? You know, as humans, why do we exist and what are we all doing? You know? Um, and I think it's kind of really special to be able to just go past that immediately. And there's just a level of trust that we're all out there, um, kind of searching for something, whether, you're walking or you're biking. Um, obviously with biking, sometimes it's a little hard to talk to people because you're huffing and puffing going up a hill. Um, but I mean, the biggest difference between the two is just that the Camino was kind of going from hostel to hostel. Um, so you're always staying in a bed each night, whereas the divide is, you know, camp, camp, uh, warm showers host, uh, camp again. So it's kind of very uh, you're not carrying a tent on the Camino, which is a whole different experience. Emily, you had an incredible collegiate swimming career. You were an All-American at the University of Georgia, and you're a member of two national championship swim teams. You were a finalist in the 200 IM at the 2016 Olympic swimming trials. So I'm also a US UGA swimming alum, and I think I was there about 10 years before you. So I have a little bit of insight in the culture of the team, and I do remember around 2017 when you were getting close to graduation, and I was getting so many messages from coaches and people affiliated with UGA suggesting that you would make a really excellent triathlete. So I'm curious, like what was going on? Were you just crushing dryland workouts in college? And it was just super obvious that you needed to be racing triathlons. Is that how you felt as well? Uh, I kept running while I was in college, but it was mostly just like before dryland, I would do like 45 minutes of running. Um, and it was mostly because um, freshman year, I kind of, went off the deep end. And then sophomore year, I had to kind of get myself together. And one of the things that the coaches suggested was to get on a treadmill. Um, and Wait, what so, does it mean went off the deep end? Like you were just like, not fit. I wasn't fit. I wasn't focused. Um, and I, my, you know, I just kind of were enjoying college life. Like I, do. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to say that I was a, I was a freshman. Um, so, you know, you think you know everything and you can handle everything, but turns out you can't. It's okay. So, I did that as a junior because my two years at Navy didn't count. And so like, I got to have that experience as a junior. So yeah, when yeah. I transferred. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm just I, uh, picturing running before dryland and I'm like, there is just no way I could have done it. But anyway, go ahead. I'm like, how in the world you had a lot of energy when you did yeah, when I mean, you, I when you came back from the deep end. <laughs> yeah, I did. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, I, I kept running and I did, I think I did uh, the app half, which you, Haley, you've probably heard of. Uh, it's the biggest half marathon in Athens. Um, and I did that two years while I was in college um, and it was in October. So it kind of fell during like ramp up season, you know, and so it wasn't a huge deal that I would run it. Um, and I was like, okay, I still have some running legs in me. I still really enjoy it. Um, but honestly, the whole triathlon scene didn't really come into my mind as something that I would like want to pursue big time until I was really done swimming. Um, running was just something that I thought contributed to my swim success, which looking back on it, I think it really did help. So that is so fascinating because for context, like I, I had run a bit in high school, but when I got to Georgia, like running to like the IM fields, the intramural fields where we did a lot of our dry land, which is swimmer lingo for anything outside of the pool, uh, was it's like what, like a quarter mile, half a mile. And I thought it was the longest run ever. I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. There was, we, I did a few five K's, like, um, a few of us would do five K's when we were on a break, but there was zero chance I could have run a half marathon while in college that, I mean, it's just, that's a lot. It's a big, that's a, you're the first person I've known who was a collegiate swimmer who could even attempt that. So kudos. Goodness. <laughs> I, I blame my parents. They were both runners. So it, it was like a lot of swimmers. I like, I, I think we're anomalies. I don't think that most swimmers like to also run on land. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> and Emily, you were also a member of USA triathlons collegiate recruitment program. So did you initially have Olympic aspirations? Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things when you come out of a swimming career from a college like Georgia, it's like, you know, the classic story of like, what am I doing? You know, it's like, I'm, I'm not, I haven't lost my athletic ability. Um, it doesn't just go away. Um, and I, while I was certainly burned out on swimming, I would say, I was like, I still think there's, uh, there's room for growth in other endeavors. Um, and so I was like, well, I can run, I can swim. And then all I have to do is learn to bike. So we might as well just go for it. Like, why not? So that was my, my thought. But you qu pretty quickly transitioned to long course racing because I think it was 2018, you won your age group in Augusta 70.3. You clocked an incredibly impressive 2052 swim time. I love throwing those swim times out there. And I believe you qualified for your pro card in that race. So you decided that, I guess at the, by this point, you were not going for that Olympic qualifying for the 20, what is now the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Um, you decided not to take your pro card and you didn't even take a 70.3 world slot. So I think you might've actually stepped away from the sport at that time. Can you talk us through kind of those decisions? Cause from 2017 to 2018, you had so much success and yet decided it sounds like maybe it wasn't for you. Yeah. So I just kind of started to look at myself and, uh, look at how much fun I was having. Um, and from the time I was really young and swimming, I always had to have coaches like high five me before I would go up to the blocks and say, have fun. Um, and it typically always worked and I was always having fun. Uh, and then in the more adult version of that, uh, when I was doing triathlons, I had to really assess during it while was I having fun, you know, even with the pain. And I mean, you guys have both been there doing extreme endurance races where, even through the pain, you're like, this, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and I kind of reached the point where during Augusta, I just was running the half marathon and I was like, I really don't enjoy this. Like, this just is not for me. Like, I love all of these things individually. I love swimming and I love biking and I love running. But when you put them all together for me, it just doesn't bring me a whole lot of joy. And so I had to place a lot of value on that feeling and like be honest with myself because I wasn't going to make a great triathlete if I wasn't enjoying it. So um, I can't say that I stopped doing triathlons after that because then I transitioned to Xterras. Um, but 
that side of things, the 70.3, like, kind of deal definitely wasn't as fun for me as I would have hoped they would have been. Maybe it was Augusta. (laughs) Maybe it was the heat. I will say, like, I was in that race, and... I wasn't, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough, very hot, very humid marathon, half marathon. Maybe, maybe we need to get you in one. That's a little bit more temperate. Yeah, maybe. But that, yeah, that was a rough, that was a really rough race. Emily, that's like a, a very mature kind of thought process and decision and kind of, you know, way to go about doing it um, when you just graduated from college and like you're young, right? At that point. And so do you think you mentioned you had parents that were runners. So like, I don't know how much of an athlete they, they were, but like your mom was able to do that long distance trail with you. Right. So, um, she's obviously quite fit too. And like, do you think maybe seeing them as athletes as adults or being able to have that experience of going on a long distance hike when you were, you know, just out of college and still quite young, like, do you think that helped you realize that like, there are other ways to be active and be fit and have fun that, so like, it's not triathlons or nothing. It's, you know, I, I can find my way in, in like a space where I am happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I started to look at not just triathlons, but racing in general. Um, I started to see it as a mode of kind of what I've spoke to with the bikepacking thing, like a mode of meeting people and seeing places. Um, I definitely saw things as a swimmer and I got to go visit countries that I've never been to. But a lot of times, uh, as you both know, like you don't actually get to see places, um, when you're, when you're racing these things, it's like the focus is on the race. Um, so I think as I've gone through different modes of racing, be it cycling or triathlon now, um, I'm just using it as a way to really take in the places that I go. Um, and racing is almost secondary at that point. And I find myself a better person and a better athlete when I'm approaching it that way. So I just think it's a whole different perspective than when I was a swimmer. And I think I carried that swimmer mindset initially into triathlon, which contributed to the kind of decline in my happiness in a way. And since you are, I think only 26 or 27 years old, and you know, do you think do you leave the door open? It sounds like you might that you might re- return to competitive triathlon someday. Um, I have actually on this journey, I have had a lot of thoughts about racing um, and what I want to do with it, and I think it's something that it's just gonna come as a what's how should I say this? It's just gonna be something that. Uh, I experience as it comes my way. I'm, I think I'm a once and done type of person I've noticed with a lot of things. And it's like, I check the box with it and I want to go experience something else. So like I said, with this rate, uh, with a great divide, like I'll, I'll probably never do it again, but that's not to say that I'm not going to bike pack somewhere around the world. Um, but I have had instances where I'm like, I kind of miss the Xterra scene. Like it was really challenging and it was really fun. So can't say never, um, but I'm just going to take it as as the experiences kind of come my way. And Emily, we want to pivot a little bit because the Tokyo Olympics are starting this week. And as someone who has come pretty close to being on a recent U.S. Olympic team, we were hoping you could help us hype the games a little bit. So we have some Olympic yeah. people going on here. So we are trying to keep things to only the first week of the games, but a lot is happening in that first week. So we'll start with triathlon. And because of the time differences between the U.S. and Japan, all of us in North America can watch the women's triathlon on Monday, July 26th, starting at 2.30 p.m. Pacific or 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. So do you have plans to watch? And do you have any favorites in the race? I will definitely be watching. Um, and I mean... I think I went, uh, you know, full obsession with triathlon when I first started. So I'm always going to say probably Katie uh, is going to be my favorite um, just because she was someone that I really admired when I first got into the sport and to this day. Um, So I'm really excited to see how she does. But really, obviously, the whole USA team, I think it's going to be a really awesome event. Yeah, Katie Desaparis, we have had her on the show and uh, she was a late addition. She I mean, she's the only returning 
U.S. Olympic triathlete, but um, late edition, but definitely has most experience. So that will be fun to watch. The other thing is that the mixed relay is making its debut at these games. And I think it's um, Friday, July 30th is when it will be in play. You know, he, we can watch it. I need to like double check all my dates on these. So uh, hopefully no one quotes me on these. But in the mixed relay, four athletes are competing from each team, two men and two women. Each do a very short triathlon and they hand off to the next athlete on their team. So you swam on quite a few relays while you were in college. Are you excited about this new triathlon relay? I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I kind of equate it nowadays to um, for people that know swimming, the International Swim League has mixed relays. Uh, and that has drawn in a ton of crowd loving, uh, just excitement and hype. So I think that having those mixed relays in the Olympics, especially in triathlon, is just another way to hype the sport up. And I think it's going to be a great addition and super exciting. It's funny. I wonder why people get like so much more excited for mixed relays. There's than, a mixed swimming relay like, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it does. It like definitely gets more like, like they put it at the end. I feel like whenever, and it's just like, it definitely gets more hype for some reason, but I, I don't know what it is about that. That makes people feel like they like want to watch it more or like are more invested or something. I think because there's just so much open to like who the heck knows what's going to happen, you know, like, with the individual races, you kind of have like your seed, you know, where people are and you kind of have an idea how it's going to play out. But like the relays, who like who knows, you know? Right. And we don't do it every all the time. So this kind of feels like something special. But Emily, what about swimming? So I actually just learned this um, when I was researching, but the, in Tokyo, uh, this, they will the athletes will be swimming prelims in the at in the evening and finals in the morning, which is similar to the schedule we saw in 2008 when the games were in Beijing. So that means all of us in North America we can watch the prelims. That's I think they'll start very early for for me here in Montana. It's like 4 a.m. Mountain time, but um, finals would be at pretty nice nice time to watch 6:30 p.m. Pacific, 9:30 p.m. Eastern a little late for Alyssa in the East coast, but I remember watching the 2008 games. I was living on the East coast and I just had like an Olympic hangover at work every day because I would just, I feel like I'm just going to watch one race and I'd start at nine 30. And all of a sudden I am like screaming at the TV at 11 PM because it's so exciting. And I do that day after day after day. So, um, I I'm really excited to watch the swimming and I imagine you are as well. And you actually have a lot of former UGA teammates who are going to be competing in the game. So are there any races that you're especially excited to watch? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I am super excited to see Haley Flickinger swim the 200 fly. She's a returning an Olympian. Um, Jay Litherland in the 400 IM and Nick Fink, which was a super exciting moment for him to make the team, um, in the hundred breasts or 200 breasts. Sorry. Um, and, what other we have Natalie Hines and Olivia Smaliga. Um, they're both in the hundred freestyle. Um, and all these people were on the team with me. So uh it's just really surreal to be able to see them absolutely excelling um and being able to experience for a lot of those guys, their second Olympics. So it's really awesome. Have you talked to any of them? I mean, about have you got any insight on like COVID precautions? I don't know if they're actually in Tokyo yet, right? I think they were doing their camp in Honolulu, which looked quite fun from social media. Yeah, I think they're there now. They got there like, I think two days ago. Um, but I haven't talked to them since I got back from my trip. Um, but from what I heard, it was it was really stringent. So it sounds like it's going to be a really different, but still amazing experience nonetheless. And Emily, since you did just spend a ton of time on your bike and we basically decided that makes you the like Olympic expert in basically every sport. So <laughs> we're also going to ask you about cycling stuff. So the women's 140K 87 mile cycling road race will stream the evening of Saturday, July 24th at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern. I'm already like cringing with these Eastern times. The 90 minute mountain bike race is late Monday evening, starting at 2 a.m. Eastern, you guys. And then Wednesday, July 27th at slightly more reasonable, um, only 1045 Eastern. Oh my goodness. Um, we can watch the 29K 18 mile women's time trial race. So with your recent bikepacking adventure and adventures to come, do they keep you excited to be watching the cycling races that are going to be happening? And although they're much shorter by comparison. Oh yeah. I love watching cycling. I think there's a lot of, uh, the dynamic of the Peloton is something that 
it's it's such an interesting game that's being played out um, and a dangerous game at that. But I really enjoy watching it, um, and I think it's going to make for an awesome uh, road race and obviously time trial. Um, and the mountain bike race will be pretty awesome too. And Haley did our research for these. So 90 minute mountain bike race. I didn't even realize that as I'm like reading this, I'm like, is this right? So what happened? Do we know? Does anyone know no, how that's scored? I was like, how long is this? No, it's like, they're going to decide how long it is. How many oh. loops? It's like a two and a half mile loop, but they're going to decide based on like the course conditions, I think. Okay. Okay. So it was, so it is a set distance. It's not, but it, they just don't know the distance yet. It's not It'll like how many loops in 90 minutes. minutes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's Interesting. Like, that's how it is in cyclocross. It's like you have those, the loops. And then after the first lap, they determine, okay, that's the average time it's going to take. So this is how many loops that they're going to do. Oh what if they did that in Coeur d'Alene and they like we all ran that first loop and then they're like, actually, or like, oh, actually, you guys are going to be here all day. So one and a half it is. All right. <laughs> in Ironman. That, yeah, that's true. I was like, yeah, we were all just like running slow and they're like, just stop. Just stop now. This is the finish line. <laughs> but it is, it's fascinating. I mean, some of these events are fascinating because they are like, they're kind of skills that we can relate to, but in a very different competitive sense than what we're used to. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just a whole different world in, in a way, but we can all learn a little bit from it, you know? And some late night mountain bike watching. I mean, late night, late night cycling watching, we'll be doing that. But Emily, as we mentioned, um, or, you know, just all of us, we, as we mentioned, we only highlighted triathlon swimming cycling for the first week of the games. The second week, of course, will feature all the running events, open water swimming. And hopefully we're going to ask next week's guests, since I'm considering all of our guests as Olympic experts, um, <laughs> we have all to be fans um, about those. So Emily, we're going to let you go, but before we go, before we do, um, I know you've like barely had time to even clean the mud off your bike after your big ride. Do you have any other adventures planned for this summer? Can we ask about what's next? Um, I am just slowly making my way back to Georgia. Um, I have to be back at work on August 9th. So that is when I will, I will hopefully be back there by August 8th. So in the meantime, I'm just enjoying riding my bike without packs on it. Um, and just getting I was going to say, are you making your way back to Georgia on your bike? <laughs> no, no, no I'm I asked her that. She's like, oh, I might be coming through Bozeman. I'm like, are you driving or riding? <laughs> I'm well, like, I, I just, you don't know. Well, the funny thing is it took me 33 days to reach the border and then two days to get back to my car in Montana. So that was a little bit <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but And that's Emily, what... last thing too, um, what's your Instagram? So people can check that out and... Uh, check out some of the posts from your your big ride it's ecam 44 great well we will make sure we link to that in our show notes but thank you so much for sharing some of your adventures thank you for uh fangirling with us over the olympics we're excited to watch and we will keep an eye out for you too because you're you seem like someone who's always going to be up to something pretty cool <laughs> that's my goal in life i just always want to be up to something pretty cool <laughs> thanks for having me guys The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Haley, I have to say that every time I'm out on my like gravel bike or mountain bike, I am like, oh, I don't think bike packing would ever be something I would really like to do. But then we interview Layla, we interview Emily, and I hear these stories and I'm like, oh, I do think maybe bike packing would be something I would like to do. So I don't know. I think maybe that's going to move a little higher on my list to, to me, even if it's just a one and done as Emily put it. Um, but to get to do some cool stuff, because I do think the, my curiosity is there.
I feel like you would excel in anything like that. I I love how Emily shows that you can be one and done, and that's totally great. And I love the idea of living an interesting, exciting, adventurous life, which I think you do. You definitely fall in that category as well. So um, very cool to hear your stories, to hear Emily's stories. Thanks again to her for coming on the show. Again, we have so much exciting things to look forward to, to come up to cheer for this weekend. We have Alyssa at Ironman Lake Placid Sunday morning starting at 6.15-ish uh, Eastern time and happening for the next nine or 10 hours after that. And then of course, Monday afternoon or evening, the women's Olympic triathlon happening in Tokyo, Monday, July 26th, 3.30 PM mountain time, 5.30 PM Eastern time. Uh, the perfect way to recover from watching an Ironman on, on Sunday is to watch an Olympic triathlon on Monday. How much fun stuff do we have to look forward to, Alyssa? I'm excited. I hope you enjoy the rest of your race week. You sound prepped. You sound ready to go. And I'm ready to cheer for you. Thanks, Haley. I'm looking forward to getting out there and hopefully having a great race to give you the download of next week. I look forward to hearing about it. Talk to you later, Alyssa. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.